people we are back for another episode of this <laughs> podcast i am in great spirits i'm alive i am well yes. the sun is shining god has blessed us hallelujah to jesus Bless i him. am josh rogers <laughs> i am <laughs> i am <laughs> i am brian Brian Hare. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. This is the podcast that we talk about how to navigate life as millennials, but particularly we talk about the parents, mm-hmm. the praises, mm-hmm. the productivity, and the pomp and circumstance. Y'all heard about the pomp and circumstance last week mm-hmm. from being black and try to navigate this crazy life. Brian, how are you, my brother? <laughs> I'm uh, it's a great day. It's a great day to be black, and I'm 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 laughing because it feels like you came off that mountaintop of Pentecost because you got the joy of the Lord in your soul. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength, <laughs> and He won't fail me. It's a great day to be black. It's a great day to be black. It's always a great day not to be white. It's a great day to be black. <laughs> because if I wasn't black, I would be depressed. If I wasn't black, I'd be going through in this mental health mud. If I wasn't black, I feel like God had forsaken me. If I wasn't black, I feel like I didn't pay my tithes. Because the Bible says you don't pay your tithes, you're cursed with a curse. And the curse with a curse that I know is whiteness. So I'm so glad. Oh, that Lord. I'm, black. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm black. So glad that I'm black. I'm, what James Brown said? He said, say it loud. I'm black mm-hmm. and I'm proud. Bless Glory that. to the Father. Bless him. I serve a risen Afro-American Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy in the Lord. <laughs> I, I got the joy of the Lord in my... I got the joy of the Lord. Down he t- tingling all in down on my inside. <laughs> As little Richard said, got me screaming like a little school girl. Holy Macadandy. All right. What's been going on with you, brother? How was your weekend? It was great, man. I went home to California. I'm back. You were you getting out of work in California? At contact. Were you smoking on the best loud in California? <laughs> Brother, when I tell you, I know. Answer my question. Uh, I, <laughs> Were you smoking for the best laugh? No, nah, not the best laugh. In loud. California. Oh, no. oh, not the best laugh. <laughs> oh, I know how words work. <laughs> nah, but when I, t- when I tell you that uh, marijuana clearly is legal in California, brother. Like, <laughs> Was it a haze in the listen, air? Listen, everywhere we go, you just smell the ganja. It's just there. <laughs> My God, Mary Jane. Shout out to Rick James. It's there. It is there. But I really enjoyed myself. Enjoyed family. Got to see my grandma. Um, mm-hmm. She definitely offended. I'm going to tell the story on here. Uh, she definitely offended somebody. <laughs> I know that's close to me. So um, my grandma, you know, old people can say whatever they want to say, right? They say whatever they want to so, say. So there was a white person nearby. Uh, and my grandma was like, oh, man, I miss you coming here to visit me in California every two months or so. And uh and uh, I just miss you. And she's like, so what do you do now? Are you still coming out here? I said, well, now my job changed. My, my territory changed. I'm not here coming to California like I used to. Now my territory that I have from Pennsylvania all the way down to South Carolina. And she said, oh, be careful out there because you know them white folks are just killing up everybody. And then she looks at the white person and goes, sorry, baby, because you know them white people be killing folks. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. And the white person proceeds to walk out of the door. It was. I, I there's nothing I could have said. My grandma, no filter. And that's okay. I am on grandma's side. She was right. White <laughs> folk do be killing up everybody, and they they do some strange and peculiar things. Okay. Okay, that's why we. That's why we say we always happen to be black. Because <laughs> if we woke up white, we cry. All right. Shout out to grandma. Shout out to grandmas doing what grandmas do. <laughs> Just do whatever they want to do. Did you? Were you able to catch um, a playoff game? I know Big Money Hair. Were you able to buy tickets? Were they playing? Were they playing in Phoenix or were they in Los? They're Angeles? playing in Phoenix. I'm, okay. Yeah. You know. Your, your test one and one, right? One and one. But hey, the the big thing is we we were recording last week. We were trying to see if the Grizzlies were going to make the playoffs. And your nephew. They made it. Your nephew, John Morant. My nephew, my son. Your son. Son of the gospel. Led them to the playoffs. And they won the first game. And they upset everybody. Listen, all the things. Youngest, and the youngest team in the NBA to make the playoffs in years. Mm -hmm. This is Josh Rogers' athletic abbreviations, by the way. <laughs> I tried to stay up to watch the game, Brian, but you know, they played in the Utah, and that's over there on the West Coast. And I fell asleep in, in the third quarter. Desmond Bain hit that three at the end. I was like, all right, I'm going to put my trust in you, Lord, because I ain't got nothing else to give. I was so, so late. tired. It's so late. And tonight is probably going to be the same way. Yeah. I'm probably going to catch maybe the first quarter. Mm -hmm. I think it might be on now as we're recording. Yeah. It's 8 30. Yeah. yeah. So, Probably on now, and that's fine. But you know, you know, I'm hoping. Uh, what's what's the Desmond Mitchell? Is that his name? I don't, uh, um, Donovan Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. I knew it was D Mitchell. Somebody. Mm -hmm. He didn't play. He's expected to play tonight. So we see what difference that makes. But but I do believe the Grizzlies are hungry. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Um, but I'm I, I'm predicting if they do lose, it's going to be four two. Mm -hmm. If they do pull it off, it's going to be a seven-game series. I can see that. And it's going to be an upset. Otherwise, I think it's going to be 4-2 in Utah's favor. Um, but, you know, Mike Conley's inconsistent. That's why I didn't like him on the Grizzlies anyway. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to really do much for Utah. But that's enough of my sports talk. Brian, do you know what today is? I know. Yeah, well, let's do this. It's the song of the week. It is. But I'm excited. I'm jumping the gun. I'm excited. It's okay. Go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, it's the song of the Go week. Ahead. So Go ahead. now that it's the end of the month, I know it's my week for the song of the week, but I'm going to toss yeah. it to you because I feel like you're going to be in good voice tonight. Um, oh, yeah. And it's a special occasion. And a special occasion. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to allow you to do the song of the week if that's okay with you. And it's okay with me. All right. So song of the week I'm is going to be given, Joshua Jamal Rogers. I haven't given the people a good a whale in, the, in, in a minute. Give it to them. Okay, so it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a special occasion. If you've been keeping up with the jigsaw, you know what today is as you're listening, mm -hmm. and it goes a little something like this. It says, "Tomorrow will come, and girl, I can't wait. It's an anniversary, bye bye, anniversary. But um, but uh, the first thing I'll do is run straight to you. It's an anniversary, boom boom, anniversary." It's our anniversary. <laughs> it's our anniversary. Boom, boom. Made for you and me. But I've only made plans to hold your little hand. It's the anniversary. Ba ba. <laughs> anniversary. But I've come the pleasures of mine. Because we've seen good times. It's the anniversary. <laughs> boom, boom. Anniversary. But won't be no secret at the 
end of the day. It's the anniversary. Boom, boom. Anniversary. A small cup of tea to you and me. It's the anniversary. That is uh, Anniversary by uh, Tony Tone Tone. And what Brian and I are going to do, we're going to toast up real Mm -hmm. quick. Cheers. If you do not know, this is not only 50 episodes of the Jigsaw Podcast, but literally 365 days from today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from last year, today, we made one year. We made one year. Millions didn't make it. But we was one of the podcasts this year. We've been through transitions. Hallelujah. We've been through changes. What the Raiders play say? Everybody going through changes. We've been through changes. We've been through the things. But God has kept us. Hallelujah. He's preserved. Hey, oh, my shot. This week, this week is Interpretation. I need it. <laughs> you don't need interpretation to be another lie. We have made it, but seriously, we made it. We made it to a year. Uh, statistics show that most podcasts end after seven episodes. We are 50 episodes in. Mm-hmm. We are 43 episodes past what the statistics. We are another two black men who out who beat out the statistics. Mm, look at God. Hey, I got a testimony. <laughs> Testify. As I look back over my life Mm, mm -mm. and I think things over, I can truly say Mm. that I am blessed. I have a testimony. Recording this podcast ain't easy. Mm -mm. It's hard work. Me and Brian got, we got wives, we got children. Brian got a dog. (laughs) He got a a house and all this other kind of stuff. We got stuff we got to do. We were just in California. Mm -hmm. Right. Inhaling all the ganja, getting contact high off the Mary Jane. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to toast tonight. Mm-hmm. Up to them. Yeah. Down to them. You know, forget all the rest of them who don't do them. Drink everybody. Drink. Cheers. Cheers. To the Jigsaw Podcast. Yeah. To all the puzzle pieces. We love y'all. We appreciate you. We appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for rocking with us. It's our anniversary. Anniversary. (laughs) Hold the note, Reverend. All right. <laughs> All right. You ready to start? It's, it's a celebration. It's a celebration. I'm so excited. It it's is. a celebration. I'm just so excited. Bro, how you feel, bro? I, I feel know you good. came in a few months into it, but you here celebrating. We're here. You started something and I'm here. I jumped on the bandwagon and we here. We we, yeah. we you like you like the stepmom in the second marriage. <laughs> <laughs> this your this your house now. <laughs> take that take that other woman pictures down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's been a great year. It's been a great year. Uh, we've done some great things. That's an amazing guest. I'm pretty sure we'll probably talk about this when we wrap up, but uh, it's been a year. Uh, some great things have happened in this year. Um, I wish we could have done more things as far as something. COVID kind of has, you know, limited our mm-hmm. ability to do something. But I'm sure we'll do something great in the future. Uh, so please be on the lookout for that because I know y'all want to get with us. We want to get with y'all uh, to celebrate fully um, the goodness of the Lord. I love that. All right, so I love that we're gonna fully celebrate. So you ready to get started? Let's go and do it. Let's go into the show with some black excellence. We Let's need go. Yeah. 
All right, so we are here at the Blessed Report where we, you know, we do things about black excellence. Black folks do great things all the time. 366, 25A. We do black excellence, black history every single day. So we take our time on this part of the Jigsaw podcast. It's been around for at least a year. Uh, to celebrate black excellence. So this week we are going to celebrate Kristen Clark. All right. For those that are sitting there thinking who is Kristen Clark and you're probably going to do a Google search, don't do it because I got the information for you. Kristen Clark, if you don't know, just became the first woman of color and the first black woman to lead the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. So this is huge. And let's talk about this. So you don't know who she or what her background is. She is the daughter of Jamaican immigrants and the mother of a teenage son. Clark got her start with the DOJ, working in the Civil Rights Division as a federal prosecutor, overseeing police misconduct cases, hate crimes, human rights, and redistricting, redistricting, excuse me, human rights trafficking. Excuse me, I'm start over. I've been drinking. Um, hate crimes <laughs> and human trafficking. During her time, she also focused on voting rights and redistricting, redistricting eventually taking those skills to the assist at the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Her former boss, Cheryl Lynn Eiffel, took to Twitter to share her thoughts about the confirmation that said, meet the new assistant attorney of the civil rights, an amazing, courageous civil rights lawyer. She is the first woman, the first black woman to be confirmed to this position. Kristen is now the fifth former NAACP attorney to lead the civil rights division. She tweeted, we love to see it because this is extremely important because on the day after um, we are mourning George Floyd on the anniversary, um, we have somebody who is taking office um, in this role who is going to be tough on civil rights violations. So we definitely need somebody who is going to be tough on civil rights violations uh, to fight for the people who are being oppressed, discriminated against and all those good things. So we're excited about that because she has history and police misconduct and hate crimes and human trafficking, which are all prevalent issues um, that definitely affect yeah. black folks all over these great United States. Uh, so bless up to Kristen Clark, again, making history as the first black woman to lead the DOJ Civil Rights Division. So we appreciate you and we salute you. So bless up to you. Appreciate you, sis. Bless up to you. You ready to go into the billboard? Right, let's go and do it. All right. So you want to hear some great news? Yeah. God stayed the hand <laughs> of death. Thank you, God. Our icons are still here. The ones that's left are still here. And we give God glory for them. So we have no obituaries, no rest-ups to report this week. Um, it's been a rough 2021. It has. Because we've been saying rest in peace to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have to do that this week. Um. I want to start it off with one of the people who I just absolutely adore. Uh -huh. I love with all of my heart. Her name is okay. Well, I'm gonna do this. She was she was a backup singer mm -hmm. for Monica. Okay. At one point, she be, then became a part of one of the greatest, the greatest mm -hmm. women's R&B slash pop groups ever okay. to be a part. You know her as Michelle Williams, but she was born as Tanitra. Tanitra, yeah, that, yeah, it's a strong black name. Strong. That's how I, that's how you know I'm a fan. Okay, Tanitra Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child, 
took to Instagram um, with a recording and basically said that she wants a Destiny Child reunion. Um, if you've been following Williams, you know that she just released a memoir entitled Checking In, How Getting Real About Depression Saved My Life and Can Save Yours. And in the book, she opens up about her desire to see a Destiny Child reunion. She wrote specifically, now I would be lying if I said I wish we weren't still together. She added, I don't know if I want to do another 60 City Tour. We ain't 25 no more. You feel me? But I'm going to just put this in the atmosphere. B, Kelly, if you're reading, we could always cut a short album, maybe do a mini tour, Popeyes on me. See, that's what I'm talking about. I love Don't it. be promising STK. <laughs> Don't be promising Ruth Chris. Popeyes on me because we on tour. And Beyonce already said she ain't doing that no bread crazy diet no more. Sis wants some chicken anyway. Listen. So... Yes, because we love y'all. We, we love what you gave us at Coachella. We do. Like you, you brought back all the feels. Y'all still things. got it. Oh, y'all still got it. Y'all was killing it. Uh, so you know, give us one. To, you know, kind of do do what PJ Morton should do rarely more than he does continually. Okay. Give us about four or five new songs, and then you know, say hit us with the class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because y- y'all are so well known to where. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to give us a yeah. full album. We gonna stand yeah. and we gonna go in. EP would be nice. And EP would be nice. And you could even bring back uh, what's her name, Latoya, <laughs> Latoya, and Latavia. Latavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not fair. For, for one can't make it. For, yeah, for say my name and Bills, Bills, Bills. Okay, you can bring them <laughs> back for them two songs, and it could be five of y'all, and then send them back in the room. But only do that <laughs> on the Houston show, at the Houston show. Oh, they yeah. ain't got to do everywhere else, just at the Houston show, okay? And Farrah Fer- can go where her luggage still is, and that is <laughs> away, okay? But we <laughs> we are excited about the possibility. Um, their last album was released in 2004, and their last tour in 2005. Uh, and it's time for you. Like we said, we last saw them at Coachella. They mm-hmm. they popped up on us at the Super Bowl. So we know that they got it. And if Beyonce makes the call, uh, I'm sure Kelly and Michelle. Michelle's clearly down. So mm-hmm. let's make the thing happen. Please do. Speaking of black excellence, Howard University, their name, um, they named their college. We talked about how Felicia Rashad is the new dean of the College of Fine Arts, but they just named their College of, of, college of Fine Arts after one of their degree award recipients. Uh, he earned his degree, was honorary. Chadwick mm-hmm. Bozeman. Um, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. we reported that um, they were reestablishing their College of Fine Arts with, you know, Felicia Rashad as the dean, and now they're renaming the program. The HBCU issued a statement via Twitter saying that Howard University is pleased to name the College of Fine Arts after our iconic alumnus, Chadwick A. Bozeman, whose remarkable career as an actor, director, writer, and producer inspired millions around the world. To provide some greater context, 1997, Bozeman led a protest against the absorption um, of the College of Fine Arts into the College of Arts and Science and Sciences and continued to fight after graduation in 2000. And now the college he fought for is named after him. So shout out to Howard, continuing yep. to make moves, continuing to do great things and honoring a man who deserves um, all of the things. Speaking yep. of colleges just giving out stuff, um, <laughs> Master P. Just got something. You know, he was awarded a doctorate, um, an honorary one. The hip-hop mogul businessman entrepreneur, Percy Miller. Um, Percy is a black name. Isn't it? <laughs> Percy. Percy. What's your name? Percy. <laughs> uh, Percy Miller, better known as Master Percy, received an honorary <laughs> doctorate degree from HBCU Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. Go Lions or not. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> the school motto is, this is their school motto, if the sun shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Ain't that 
it something? Ain't, Ain't it? that Bible? <laughs> Ain't that the word of God? <laughs> it's the word of God, but ain't nothing beating more houses. What Latin it says, et facta ex luke. You know what that translates into, Brian? What does it mean? I need, I need the interpretation. And then there was light. So you can be free if you want to. <laughs> we are the beginning. When God established this thing, he thought of more house first. So Lincoln... <laughs> You can have all, you can have your liberation. Won't be no liberation if it was not for the sun shedding light into the dark places. So I said what I said. No, shout out, shout out to Link. It's all HBCU love. Uh, Master P has been an avid supporter of uh, celebrating HBCUs, although he tried to upside HBCU with this ICDC. I don't know what that was. Uh, and recently, the man of God said that he wanted to, what is it? He wanted to purchase and own, own one. an HBCU. I, I don't really know how that works, person. I don't know what you and Romeo was over that thinking but you can't put rap snacks at your new own icdc so just just take these honorary degrees and be great okay because what we don't need is you leading a higher education institution all right all right so anyway his son hersey that's even black percy and hersey The blacks would do. We would, we would do some things for the night, won't we? <laughs> Hurston Miller decided to play basketball at Tennessee State. Tennis, that's TSU. Uh, my friends would say the real TSU because they don't acknowledge Texas Southern. <laughs> um, now Master P has an honorary degree from the nation's first degree granting HBCU. So um, super excited to see black people doing amazing black things. Speaking of black people doing black things, but maybe taking a break from doing them, J. Cole <laughs> is calling it quits. Although, J. Cole may be one of the best lyricists. Is he one of the best lyricists he in hip hop, Brian? He is. Okay. He is. Okay. I'm trying to figure out as I'm as, as I'm reporting this, do I want to align myself with that? <laughs> I guess is. I can. Um, it's one of the best in hip hop. Oh, can we do a quick sidebar since we talk about yes, hip hop? we did. Quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. So I saw something on Instagram okay. that kind of made me mad because you know I am a barb adjacent. I'm an unofficial Ken. Mm-hmm. And I saw a page that shouted out female MCs, the FemCs. Mm-hmm. And um, it said we shout out all women rappers except Nicki Minaj. I said, oh, this, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a Nicki hate page. Hate, yeah, a hater. And, 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 and most of the posts were about Little Kim. I said, so this is a Little Kim stand page, Little right. Kim. But anyway, so the question was, who was the better male uh, man and woman rap combo out of New York? Was it Kim and Biggie oh. or was it Fox and Jay? Oh. They post the question. I thought I'm gonna make sure I remember so I can bring it to the pod. Oh, okay. So this is tough because <laughs> Jay Z has a bigger body of work. He has consistency, longevity. Well, no, um, no, we were talking about the stuff that they did together, so just basing it on the stuff that they did together. Together, oh, Biggie and, and Kim. Uh, Biggie and Kim, you think Biggie and Kim? Yeah, I think because to me, also Biggie wrote a lot of Kim stuff too, so it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. her verses. End up doing it anyway, so I would probably I'm gonna go big in Kim, and that's the best off of it. Just you know the the vibes, the feels. No, you? absolutely, I I actually agree. I think what Jay because Jay and Foxy had a few collabs together, features together, and it's great music. Um, uh, but I think overall for the culture, I think what Kim and Biggie were able to do was something dope. Let me ask you this: If and this is my own okay. question, Brian, if okay, Big was still alive, do you think? That do you think the big three known as Drake, Nikki, and Wayne would be bigger than Big Kim and Lil C's? <laughs> um, 
probably because Lil C's is like the worst rapper in that group. Um, that's like what he's, I'm saying. Now, I, now, that's, I said this, now I saw that question posed to him. Just like Lil C, like even his verse on "Crush on You" was. Lil Kim just, bodied that. Uh, she bodied that was her song. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, Lil, Lil Kim is great in her own right. Biggie Smalls is mm-hmm. great in his own right. Drake, Nicki. Uh, Wayne. And Wayne again, I'll hold it down. Yeah. I'll hold it down. Lil C's, where is he? We don't know. Nowhere. Probably at Little Caesars making hot and ready. <laughs> right. Five dollars. That's where Little Caesars pick is for five dollars. Yeah. Pick I, I would if I had to pick that three on three, I'm picking, I'm picking uh Drake Wayne. I'm picking young money all I'm picking young money yeah. all day. Yeah. Okay. And, and I and I love bar. Biggie. And I love Biggie. Like I love Biggie too. But if we're gonna if we're I love doing three too. on three, you know, yeah. So next month is Black Music Month. We're gonna talk. Maybe we should have a whole conversation about what the rap game would look like if Biggie and Pac were alive today. Oh, it would be a lot of people working at McDonald's. We'll talk about that. But let's we going that. back to the regular schedule program. <laughs> J. Cole is calling the quits. Although J. Cole is the best rap lyricist in hip hop, one of the best. Um, he joined the uh, Rwanda Patriots, the basketball club of the Basketball Africa League, to pursue his hoop dreams after three games. <laughs> J. Cole has decided. Uh, he has completed his contract with the team. And he's leaving due to a family obligation. I'll give my I'll give my comments after <laughs> that. Um, this comes to me criticism from other players within the league who felt that although he brought attention to the league, he didn't deserve to be in the league in his three games. Cole only had five points, three assists, and five rebounds. <laughs> so this is where I wanted to land because Josh Rogers' athletic abbreviations, you know, took notice. And what we saw was, man, God did all this hype, all this training for the first game. It was only three points. And I think one of the listeners, Brian, I want to say that you all engaged in a little back and forth mm-hmm. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I jumped in and said, all this hype over three. And you guys got on my case <laughs> how I needed to give the man some time and how I needed to be nicer just for him to quit after only having five points and three okay in the African Basketball League. Now, I'm not shading our African brothers and sisters. But what we do understand, if we line country by country, precept by precept, right, that most of other countries, you know, don't measure up to USA basketball level talent. He went over there with his American self (laughs) and still could not sustain more than five games, five points among three games. Brian, (laughs) explain to me the thing since you're, you're our resident sports expert. No, you're the one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am just, I am just a sports cultural analyst. You are a resident expert. You are our Stephen A. Tell us the things, Brian. Um, I think he just realized that he, you know, didn't have it. Like he realized. Well, one, I, one, I know I saw something where he was giving out Pumas. So part of me feels like it was kind of a because he has first mistake. Why are you giving out Pumas? Because <laughs> he has his own athletic shoe with Pumas. So I'm assuming that might have been his, you know, a thing to try to push Puma. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, three games, five points, five boards, three assists. So he averaged what uh, an assist per game, um, less than two points per game, um, less than five rebounds per game. Uh, less than less than less than two five less than two rebounds per game. So it wasn't it wasn't a great showing, but at least he had a great album that came out recently. Um, so shouts out to J Cole for that album. Him and him and Nicki Minaj dropped an album on the same day, and they both undertook the assignment um, and performed extremely well. Um, but basketball, J Cole. Let's let's wrap it up. Let's leave. Let's let's keep it in search celebrity games, but uh, your hoop dreams and professional uh, basketball are over. We appreciate you though, Jermaine. 
It's a wrap. Go on back to Forest Hills Drive and keep on recording because <laughs> this ain't this this ain't what it is. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses, man of God, and I need you to mm-hmm. understand yours. Um, speaking of awards and living out your dreams, Billboard Artist of the Decade goes to Champagne Poppy Aubrey mm. himself, Mr. Drake. Um, the Billboard Music Award aired on May 23rd of this year. Um, Brian, did you watch it? Of course not. Okay, yeah, did me you? neither. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know. No, did not. Did not at all, not one bit. Um, but our favorite Canadian rapper who has just recently invested in, um, you know, Meatless Chicken, um, Aubrey Graham received Artist of the Decade. After first appearing on the Billboard charts in 2009, Drake banked nine Billboard 200 number ones in, two, in the um, 2010 eras, um, first leading with his debut 2010 studio LP, Thank Me Later, which I would um, go on to say is one of his his, his greatest albums. Um, and most recently reigning in 2019's Care Package. He also scored six Hot 100 um, number ones in that span of time. Since his debut, he has obliterated numerous charts, including the most Hot 100 top 10s, 45 of them to date, and overall um, entries of 232. We gotta give Drake his flowers, his paninis, um, peonies, his roses, whatever you want to give him, because <laughs> he may be one of the greatest artists of all times. So let me ask you this, Brian. Do you think Drake will go down as one of the greatest rappers of all time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Like, and, and mind you, and, and, and let me explain this, give some context to the people. I'm not a Drake fan. Like, I mean, my you friends, just you just listened to him last summer. You went on a Drake listening binge last yeah, summer, yeah. right? Yeah, I did. I did. So, and, so that's coming from a person who, like, and, and granted, like, even though he has great music, I'm still not just a fan of his. Um, but I mm-hmm. got to be honest and say, Drake makes amazing music. He's a great rapper. Um, he is of this current generation, probably the I don't want to say the best rapper, but if anything, there's no one out rapping Drake in this generation. There's probably okay. no one out rapping Drake in any generation. Um, although I think Jay-Z is the GOAT. I'm I I would not say when Drake is just rapping, I'm not gonna say that Jay-Z is better than Drake. Um I think they're uh, on a, on the same level. I think Drake is an amazing rapper, amazing lyricist, amazing songwriter. Um he just does all the things. Like I said, again, like I'm not gonna be like, hey, let me put on a Drake song, but I gotta be honest and admit like Drake is an amazing artist, amazing entertainer. Um, and he's been doing it consistently uh, for 10 years. So him being the artist of the decade, it makes perfect sense. Got to give the man his flowers. Got to give the just due. And I think Drake is kind of my, my spirit animal. Like, you know, the, the so-called nice guy, but really is a savage deep down is inside. He? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, how would you say that? Because, I mean, are you a savage deep down inside? Right? I, I am. I think I am. I'm, yeah, I'm, mm. I'm nice, but, you know, you know. <laughs> I mean, Drake said nice for what? Be nice for what? Yeah. You know. He has a whole, so do you have what's your favorite Drake song? What's your favorite Arby Graham song? <sighs> Let me see here. Favorite Drake song. Uh the song I listen to the most, and Drake fans are probably gonna be like, that's whack. Is um it's actually a song that he sings. Um mm. Let's go on and coming home. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a okay. cool, it's a cool. Also, I listen, I listen to a lot of music when I'm driving. So that's a cool, like, driving song. You can just ride around. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to say, like, I, when I went on my Drake binge, there's a, um, he has features that are dope. Um, like, I like a song, you know, he's with Birdman, like, Money to Blow, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Drake talked that talk. Like, 
I can say, and again, I'm not the type of person that's gonna be like, let me put on some Drake today. But I'm, I when I did my binge, I downloaded several songs that I was like, oh, this is great. On Thank Me Later, I downloaded like eight songs. Um, Take Care, I downloaded most of that album. Um, and I want, I just want to retract my statement and say. Uh, Take Care is my favorite Drake album, not Thank Me Later. Yeah. Thank Me Later is a great debut album, but Take Care is by far his, yeah. where uh, he shines. And I don't know the songs by heart, but the ones where he like is rapping like old school hip hop, like Boom Cat, like those are the ones he shows TF out. Like it, mm-hmm. like it shows like, oh, this man can rap. And um, yeah. my biggest issue with Drake is... Like the consistency, like I like my music sanctified. Like brother, like either you're gonna rap or you're gonna sing. Like I don't want both in the album. Like give me a straight rap album, because when you rapping, you just killing it. But then you know, not you know, unless you're Lauren Hill, I can take that. But so you can take it from Lauren Hill, but you can take it from it's, Drake. It's a, it's a different because the thing about Drake is he has like melancholy songs, like right after a, a banger, like a song that he's sitting there just rapping circles around somebody, and then the next song is like. And it's like Did Lauren Hill not do that to us with uh, giving us a son, then take us up to Zion. But it's Brian, like, it's, let's not it's, do this. It's Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill's not melancholy though. Lauren Hill's not melancholy. To Zion is like a Baptist hymn that we <laughs> don't want to hear. That's the song but, I consistently skip on that album. Drake, what you he don't he, want to be <laughs> no, it's your only note at the end. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> No, I I don't know. I I just I prefer I wrote like I downloaded most of the songs <laughs> okay. where Drake was like rapping, like and when he's like just spitting, it's it's no, great. I agree. It's I great. Agree. There are a few my, songs. One of my, I'm sorry. No, I was just one of my favorite songs. You, you probably be surprised. It has a Nicki Minaj feature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, make me proud. It's just you know, it's it's such a good song. Yeah, I like that. Oh, you had it ready. You had it queued up. Oh, I had to queue up. <laughs> we had to get the people a, a little song in, in here. It's the it's, it's the one year episode. It's fifty episodes. <laughs> I like a woman with a future and a past. Oh, he can rap though. So let me ask you this, since we're here, since we're yeah. here, we're talking about Drake. Drake is ours of the decade. We'll give me flowers. We'll give me flowers. Yep. It, he would never do a versus. Uh, but if he's if if he decided to do one, who could who could Drake go against? Uh, it's tough because I think I, we've had I've had this conversation that Drake is literally in his own line. Drake is what Lauren Hill could have been if she wouldn't. If she would have kept recording, yeah, she would have kept recording. <laughs> That's who. So, minus Zion, maybe Jay, <laughs> uh, Kanye. I'm about to say Kanye before the fall. Yeah, because if you think Kanye, about it, 
Old Kanye is Lucifer. Current Kanye is Satan. I think uh, Kanye had a run. <laughs> he had his like if you look at his album history, he had a run where he was oh, just putting out great music. Even with the Watch the Throne was great music. Like, so, and even some of his newer stuff, he got one or two on those albums that are still good. Collectively, those albums yeah. are like, meh. Yeah. But he's still, that genius is still there. He's yeah. just crazy. And then on top of this, you got to consider the fact that, that Kanye produces his own music. Like, so, you know, like that's a whole nother thing. And Kanye has great music. So I think mm-hmm. if, and if I want to have fun, I'd rather, I'd rather see Kanye go versus Drake than Jay-Z go versus Drake. I think that would just be a, a funner versus um, mm-hmm. Kanye's antics, um, their history, like Drake and Kanye's history uh, surrounding Kim Kardashian and their feuding or gone that kind of stuff. I think that would be a funner, um, funner uh, versus. And plus, I think, don't kill me for saying this, I think Kanye's a little more relevant than Jay-Z. Like, if you, in terms oh, of- Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In terms of like, yeah, relevancy, yes. Because yeah. Jay-Z right now is is solely focused on the business side of his empire. Yeah. More I, so than his 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 music and art. Yeah. And although like Kanye's on like his business stuff too, I think that he has a little more ear to the street to what's current. Mm-hmm. I think I think Kanye, since he's a producer, is always evolving and creating spaces and creating new sounds and stuff like that. I think it would be funner um to see a Kanye versus direct versus uh, but I think if if you said the question is who can go against Drake, um, I think Kanye or Jay Z can be like uh, a formidable uh, opponent. Um, and then again, too, like you got to say, like, are we just doing Drake rapping, or are we doing Drake singing and rapping? Because if he's singing and rapping, then I don't know whose catalog is touching Drake's because he has so many songs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know either. But I think, I think. That's a good one, Kanye versus Drake. That would never happen, but I think that's the most appropriate um, versus battle. Speaking of versus, as a complete sidebar, you see that the two creators are going at it on Memorial Ooh. Day or Timberland and Swiss Beats. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's like a rematch, right? Like, I think so, because they were the first ones, right? Yeah, I think or that something should be fun. Like that. It should be fun. I don't know that I'm going to watch it. Yeah. But it should, it should be fun. We might watch it just so we can come talk to y'all about it. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say there's a rumor versus. I know this is way off topic, but there's a rumor versus with uh, Soldier Boy and Bow Wow. Do you care? Yeah. Are you asking me my thoughts? Yeah. So I think it's much more appropriate than Bow Wow and Lil Romeo. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Lil, Rome- Lil Romeo has nothing but the theme song to the Romeo show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that would have been like, and Bow Wow, as whack as he is today, has a catalog. Mm-hmm. Um. And Soldier Boy, as crazy as he is today. Has a catalog. The only thing about that, I think that verse is going to be more for the culture because Soldier Boy, like Romeo, I mean Bow Wow is a rapper. Mm-hmm. Soldier Boy is a, you know, was a TikTok star before TikTok was a thing. <laughs> I mean, because he was creating like dance moves yeah. and dance craves. Like that's what his most of his songs are. They're like anthems, and you know, like you know, hit the Soldier Boy and walk up out the bed to my swag, or like all those things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's that he produces that vibes, type of music. vibes. And even his like his current song, Draco, um, make it clap, clap. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's like you know, it's those kind of like thematic songs. Versus Bow Wow had like the one with Sierra, like he had songs, right? Um, so I definitely believe it's going to be a fun. It's going to be nostalgia specifically for. Um, 
you know, the early 30, early to mid 30, you know, millennial women out there who were crushing on Bow Wow when they were 16, 17, <laughs> between shoot, 13 and 16. Um, I'll probably give it a peek or two, but, you know, I ain't. Yeah, I think uh, they're. I think personally, you are not here for it. Probably not, but I think. Uh, <laughs> but this is a situation where, like, I will be there for their antics. Like Bow Wow is. Bow Wow gonna be lying. Yeah, he has a self-inflated. It, let me say this: Bow Wow is for what he's done has done some iconic things. Like I'm not even gonna lie. Oh yes. Um, and you know, Big Draco. Uh, he's. Like he's the first, he, he even though he says it, he's he kind of created some lanes and opportunities for people that are doing things now. Like he was ahead of a time on certain for some few things, but I think mm-hmm. you know Bow will be lying, and then uh, Soulja Boy will be just be saying stuff, and it'll be funny. So I think I would turn, I would tune in for the antics and the the fun of it all, more so than their music. I agree. Um, so. The way we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary and our 50 episodes that we're going to have a conversation about mental health. Mm-hmm. And then we're going, to, we're going to end this month by bringing in one of our good friends. Oh, yeah. She's not new to the podcast. Not at all. Um, but she came to the living room to bless us. So, Brian, you ready to go there and do that? Let's go and do it. Let's do it. So grab your drinks, grab your snack, grab your wine, because we still celebrate. We grab your wine. We are. Still celebrating. Um, pull up on the matter of fact, we ain't gonna sit we're gonna sit in the we're gonna sit in the den mm-hmm. uh, today. Some you know, some we can all just sit around in like a little kumbaya circle. Right. We'll have a good conversation. Let's go ahead to the living room and have this conversation. Yep. All right, we are here in the living room, and we are super excited because we have a very special guest in the living room, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, so sir. It's best that we leave this month with uh, an, an expert, a professional. The little thing that Josh and I be giving you that ain't that ain't real. We, we ain't got no degrees. We ain't got none of those things. It, we it, brought in. We, we we are not the real deal. <laughs> We're not the real deal. Well, we definitely brought in an expert. We got Brandy Stinson in the neighborhood. She is a founder of. Pearls Investor, but most importantly, she has a great podcast, a friend of the podcast, the Crazy Counselor Podcast. So please check it out. But I'm going to ask Brandy, if you can, please introduce yourself and let the people know who you are, what you do, and all the great things. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a part of your podcast. And congratulations again for being just awesome with the consistency and great content. So I do want to just throw that out there first, but I am Brandy. Bless you. Bless you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I am Brandy. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm currently licensed in Georgia, New York, and New Jersey. And so I provide, I work for um, the government <laughs> for my full-time right. job. Okay. Um, my side job is, you know, I am a, a licensed, like I said, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have some private clients that I see for counseling services. And I also run a nonprofit called Pearls of Esther. And like you said, the Crazy Counselor podcast. And so as you can imagine, I'm pretty busy and I am definitely trying to um, (laughs) get some self-care in and manage all of the things and not lose it in the process. And so I've been in this field now for in the mental health space for about, oh gosh, 14 years this year. That's a long time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I hope I'm, I'm probably aging myself at this point. But um, <laughs> I've been in this field now for 14 years. I've worked in a variety of settings from 
jails, to prisons, to court, to inpatient hospitalization, to community mental health, to uh, actually being a director of a uh, clinical program. So I have Mm -hmm. pretty much run the gamut. So you name it, I've probably seen it, worked with it, or uh, experienced it uh, in some way in this in this area in this field. So I think that's it. That's what's up. She gave I mean, you all the resume. She, I mean, she, qualified. She, she qualified. <laughs> oh all the and she got and she got them good government benefits too. You hear <laughs> that? Listen, listen, all these memes going around about quit your nine to five. No, ma'am. Me. I keep scrolling. I scroll real fast. Mm-hmm. I don't no, believe ma'am. in LLC Twitter. I keep my nine to five. <laughs> right. I get paid. On, I get paid twice a month. I'm okay with that. I like the stability right. of it all. Right. Yeah, I, the stability. Yeah. <laughs> that keeps my mental health in check. The stability. That's it. That's what I'm saying. So let's jump right into the conversation. We're gonna gotcha. hit you with it. We're gonna hit you with a big one. All right. What would you consider, Brandy, the biggest mental health crisis affecting people, specifically Black folk, today? Ooh, the biggest mental health crisis. Well, mm. gosh, I think if we look at like this past year, just all of the unearthing and the uh, realization of the systemic racism mm-hmm. and just ways that that has impacted us. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about experiences that they've had where they felt, I don't, you know, I, I'm going to use the word paranoid, but I'm going mm-hmm. to use it lightly here just okay. for the sake of like, you know, times that they've gone places and they felt like, oh, people are watching me because I'm black or Mm. just certain experiences that we've had that we didn't think were problematic that actually are. And so I think with everything that we've seen in this past year, it caused people to to pause and to really think about some of the um, underlying mentalities that we've had and underlying belief systems that we've had that Mm -hmm. were specifically problematic. Now, when we talk about people at, you know, the world at large or people at large, I think one of the uh, mental health, if we talk about a mental health crisis, is the actual realization that a person needs help and actually reaching out for that help. I think that there's still a gap in people knowing where to go when they need help. There's a lot of Uh misconceptions about, oh, well, I need to see this type of person or this, a person with you know, these credentials only if I want mental health services. And so I think that we need more education around, okay, if you're depressed or if you're anxious and it's impacting your daily life, what does it look like for you to actually get help? And Mm -hmm. actually letting people know that it's not as difficult as they may think that it is, because a lot of people struggle in silence. And we, we find out either when it's too late or when their lives have been deeply, deeply impacted when it could have been something that was remedied very early on. And so I think just the crisis has been lack of information and especially as it relates to how do I get services and what should I look for? Wonderful, wonderful. And I'm glad you kind of said that because that was kind of what I was was feeling in terms of it's kind of two-part question was one would like, what are some signs, I guess, that one would indicate that a person should seek professional help in terms of mental health, health, but then also like, you know, how would one go about finding the right person for them? Right. That's a very good question. You know, a lot of times we think that to see a therapist, you have to be just really in a bad space. But I say, if you have a thought that you need to talk to someone, it's okay Mm -hmm. to have a therapist. 
You know, mm-hmm. we don't turn people away because we're like, oh, you're not depressed enough. You know, <laughs> you're only crying one day a week. Oh, child, you know, you can, you can handle <laughs> like, like we don't do that kind of right, stuff. Right. right? Like the, the moment you feel like your emotions or your thoughts or are not manageable or you just need a healthy space to process that's outside of your friends, outside of your family, you yeah. need an objective voice. It's mm. OK to get a therapist. Right. But I think when we also when we talk about mental health and just being on the spectrum of it impacting your daily life, I, you know, that's the thing. That's what we look for is if, if a person comes in and they say, I think that I'm depressed. What we're looking for when we ask questions often is how is this impacting this person's daily life? Mm. Are you able to, you know, get out of bed and fulfill your major obligations like going to work or caring for your family? You know, are mm. you so anxious that you can't even get in your car and drive to the grocery store because you may have a panic attack or you're just too anxious and thinking about what may happen when you get there that you don't even leave the house, right? Mm-hmm. And so those are two very different ends of the spectrum, of course. But again, if you have the thought that you want to see a therapist, there is nothing wrong with reaching out to see a therapist. And like Josh said, especially if you got good benefits. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Come on, benefits. Because behavioral health is covered in most, the majority of health plans. And so if you have benefits and you can afford it, I say go. If you can't afford it, you know, there are community resources that can assist, you know, there are some, some, um, agencies that have what's called fee for service where it's on a sliding fee scale. So Mm. either way, if you're having the thought that you want to see a therapist, you know, if you're curious about therapy, go, it doesn't hurt anything. Mm -hmm. So, so so going to my past ain't good enough. (laughs) We done already talked about (laughs) (laughs) my pastor ain't got no degrees. Ain't, ain't been to not one school. Right. Right. Like, you know, and I'm all for pastoral counseling. I think that there's definitely a space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there also has to be a line drawn where even in the space of pastoral counseling, whoever's providing that counseling has to say, listen, this is this is above my head. This is out mm-hmm. of my league. I can talk with you about spiritual things. But when it comes to dealing with head on practical mental health issues. I need to refer you to a therapist and let them do their thing because we have an obligation. We, when we think about doctors, you know, we think about do no harm, but I think we right. all have that obligation is to not do any harm to anyone who is, is emotionally or mentally vulnerable. So th- considering that, you know, the black community, a lot of us say, and it's been said on television, everywhere else, as long as I got Jesus, I don't need nobody else. He my Ooh. therapist, get you some Jesus. Right. So like beyond that stigma, why do you think mental health, um, like pursuing mental health resources is taboo um, or has such a stigma in the black community? In the black community. You know, again, we always go back to that saying what what goes on in this house stays in this Yuck. house. Mm-hmm. You know, we Hate don't it. want people to, you know, know what's happening. There are a lot of clients that I have either worked with or um, colleagues have shared with me information, of course, protecting their name and, you know, personal health information. But they may say, hey, I have this case where, you know, a person may be an adult and they're just now talking about being, you know, um, you know, exploited at an early age Mm -hmm. or suffering some kind of abuse at an early age. And 
they were afraid to come forth and tell because they would get in trouble, you know, Mm. or they were afraid of being shunned by the family. And so I'm sure that if we all take a look at our family histories, especially as Mm African-Americans, there's something that you can identify in your family line that was a secret. There's, mm-hmm. If you think, you know, you don't have to say it in this space, <laughs> but if you think about it, you're like, you know, back when I was this age, I saw that happen or Aunt Bertha, you know, something wasn't quite right about that, but you never said anything mm-hmm. for various reasons. And so I think right. that we just get used to holding secrets for fear of retaliation yeah, and until it becomes toxic, because there's a, a moment where secrets become toxic right Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. we find ourselves like i said in our 30s and 40s reliving the trauma of when you know we were 7 and 13 or 11 or what have you and so you know i i think again just that whole keeping things under the roof you know in the house not saying anything not letting people know what's truly going on in the house that has actually hurt us and maybe it's because we were afraid of, you know, the people or the system, you know, coming to get us. There's a general mistrust when yeah. it comes mm-hmm. to systems that are in place. I don't want sure. facts involved. I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want the police yeah. coming to my house. That kind of thing. I think just a mistrust of the systems that are put in place as a whole because of how we've been treated. Maybe that plays a role, in, you know, in it. But I think just keeping secrets within our households has been toxic to our mental health in a lot of ways. And that was a, that's a great point because I think that that's really true uh, to the fact that, um, like, I think we had a conversation about this on this podcast, uh, the, you know, the, how the black household where uh, the keeping of the secrets is, is like a thing that shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be a thing. Um, right. Understand the mm-hmm. idea of it, you know, in terms of, you know, you ain't going to tell about our business, but, there's things that should be told, you know what I mean, as far as for your for your health, for your safety, and things of that nature. Uh, keeping within the within the as far as the the conversation with the black community, um, are you do you feel mm-hmm. or have you seen any you know mental health conditions or issues that are more prevalent in our community than you've seen in others? You know, I I I can't really draw that conclusion. I think it's the same across the board. It just may be less reported. You know what I mean? Yep. I think the issues are there. It's just, you know, a person may be less likely to actually seek out treatment for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I also I also want to say this about the uh, the black community. Um, I think for so long and, and Josh and I were on um, a, a, a talk last year where we talked about just the dynamic of the Superman or Superwoman Kate. That yeah. And so I think as black people, we are resilient. We are strong. We do mm-hmm. persevere. We can make it through most things. Um, and so I think when we have that mindset, you know, if you are struggling with depression or anxiety, it's hard to admit that you're not making it through this right now. Yeah. You know, this is taking you down and you need some help. And so I think it's hard to take off that Superman or Superwoman cape and admit that you need help, especially when it comes to our black men. I really have compassion <laughs> in that area because even that's a whole nother <laughs> topic is our right. black men getting the help that they need um, as well. But no, I, I don't think that there is one disorder that's more prevalent in 
the, you know, in the black community over another. Um, it just may be that we may be a little bit slower to actually get help and admit that there's an issue. That's so good that you actually brought that up because I think so many times people look at black men and black women and say, oh, they're so strong. Mm. They can mm. handle so much, right? And it's, yeah. and it's not necessarily, we're not this strong always because we want to be. Right. <laughs> like, right. Listen, right. we don't want to all be listen, too strong. <laughs> like, listen, we're not, in the, we're not in the gym training to fight racism and microaggressions right. every day. It's just kind of, <laughs> right. oh. you know, the hand that is dealt we just gotta with do us. Right, we just got to do it because you know what I'm saying. I'm in a Brian knows I am in a white, <sighs> white space. I pray for you right. every day. A white space. And I mean, I am the single. Yes, I am the single chocolate chip. And you know how black I am, Brandon. You black know how black, black I am. Black, black, right. Black, black. You know, so it is so <laughs> difficult. You know, what I'm saying you know because I'm going to present authentically, but sometimes it's so yeah. difficult. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Presenting authentically and then being their definition of black and being that that level and exhibiting that level of strength to have to deal with them. So mm-hmm. that leads me to this question of trying to figure out, do you think from your perspective that a black therapist is sometimes or in, in general, right, more equipped to provide mental health therapy to black people in, in comparison to non-black folk? I, I love that you asked that question because... I get that a lot. And I think, again, with everything that's happened in the past year, there was this push for, I need a Black therapist to understand mm-hmm. what I'm going through, right? Mm-hmm. Well, fam, a lot of the Black therapists are full. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just going to let you know. like We, we were all like, fam, like, I'm, I'm full, right? <laughs> but I don't think that only a Black therapist can um, help you through whatever you may be going through, especially as it relates to, um, you know, systemic racism or what have you. The keys to being a good therapist or the number one key is to have compassion. Mm-hmm. And another thing is to have empathy. And I think that when you have those two things and you operate from that space, pretty much whatever problem is brought to you, you can empathize with the person or you can at least have compassion mm-hmm. and you can seek understanding. Right. Right. Last year, I spoke to a white therapist about, you know, after the incident with George Floyd Mm. and I was I was very hurt and I was very angry. And I talked to a white therapist about it and she she could not understand how I felt on a deep level. Mm -hmm. But she had compassion for me and she held space Mm. for me to be able to explain what I was feeling without trying to change my mind about it or, well, let me help you see this in a different perspective. Right. She was able to say, yeah, this does suck. Like mm. I, I see what happened and yes, it it is wrong. And, you know, and I think just having that level of compassion and again, empathy. Yeah. I think if a person has those things, you know, they it doesn't matter what race they are, they can, um, just hold space for you. Now there is going to be a certain camaraderie that you have with a black person that mm-hmm. you may not have with, you know, someone who's white or Asian or what have you. But I don't think that only blacks, black therapists or African American therapists can work with us pertaining to these issues. I, I don't believe that. Well, I'm going to say that my therapist is black. I wanted a black <laughs> therapist. You know what I'm oh, saying? Because one no white man finna come talk to me. Okay, yeah. I'm just- <laughs> no, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And that's totally fine. It's it's totally up to you. The thing I think mm. for me, well, let me say this about um the therapist that 
helped me and supported me. Yeah, sure. She, she also was married to a black man and her kids are uh, biracial. Mm-hmm. So I think that added kind, and I never knew that about her until the George Floyd incident. And she said, well, this is also a concern for me too, because, you know, I have biracial children and even though their skin may not be as dark as yours to someone else, they're still black. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that added her sharing that with me further disarmed me. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So no, there, yeah. I will say that that was also there. But if you want a bl- to have a black therapist, fam, get a black therapist. Like that's fine. But if you cannot find a black therapist, or if you, you know, have a, a black therapist and you feel like, well, this isn't really working. Our dynamic is off. I wouldn't say, well, you need to go and make sure you find another black therapist. Like you don't have to. You know, you can right. explore therapists. You know, that may be of another race. Right. No, and I believe that's really true too. I just know for me personally, right? That's what yeah. I needed because one of my really good friends, she's going to um she has a white Jewish older woman therapist, right? Oh, and wow. they they're able to talk through um some things. And like similar to your point she mentioned without going into any details, she was able to empathize in a way because she talked about some ways in which her family dealt with the, the you know, the ramifications of the Holocaust. Yeah. And she was able to understand this is not the same, but I'm able to have a level of empathy with you yeah. because of my understanding mm-hmm. of history and things like that. So I totally get it in a sense. But to your point, definitely go where you feel comfortable. And if it's not working out, don't drop therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. Continue to find the person that's going to help you, you know, with, with whatever resource that's necessary to get you from point A to point B. Right. Right. Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and add to that, I know somebody that's real close to me who has tried, is in therapy right now, but has gone through a few because they were like, this one ain't working. Like, I feel like I'm getting worse. You know, I feel like they're not being able to have the conversations I need to have. So they've tried multiple therapists and ended up finding the one that actually was, was best for them. So I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah, um, I, I'm sorry. I, I do want to add to that. That's that's I'm sorry. That's a very good point you brought up because- Sometimes we think going to therapy is like you're going to come out with your Superman or Superwoman cape and like you're fixed, right? Mm-hmm. But there have been time there will be times where you will leave a therapy session and you may not feel good, fam. Like you may not. We we don't say sometimes, probably most of the time, we don't say what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't tell you what to do. We may ask questions or help you clarify some things and it doesn't feel good therapy is like medicine it is like if you have an open wound and you you know you put peroxide or alcohol on it initially it burns Mm -hmm. you know and we hate it right but after like after a while we start to see the healing effects and so um to your point i will also say if you start going to therapy, give it some time. Like, don't mm-hmm. go to two sessions and be like, listen, I feel worse. Forget them. Let me go back <laughs> to psychology today and get somebody else. And I'm not saying that that's what your friend did. But, yeah. you know, just at, just to kind of throw that out there, like, just give it some time to kind of see if this is the right therapist for you before going to another therapist. Because when you go to another therapist, you kind of have to start over. Yeah. So you definitely want to give it some time, see if it works, and then if it starts working for you or even have a hard conversation with the therapist to say, I don't feel like we're touching on the things that I came here for. Can we kind of mm. revisit my treatment plan? Can we revisit the goal of our sessions? Because we can get off track too. We're not perfect. 
So have those conversations, even with your therapist to say, listen, these are some, this is why I came here. And we talking about something else. What does that have to do with why I came or Mm -hmm. are we ever going to touch on these things? Mm -hmm. That's great. Right. That's great. That's excellent. Um, Okay, so I, I lost my train of thought, but I'm going back to it. I'm going to go I'm back sorry. to go for it. I just kind of had you guys are asking such good questions. <laughs> no, 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 that was so perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> no, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, because you said something that I want to kind of go back to because you kind of mentioned it. So I kind of want to go back to it. Turn of George Floyd, right? So it's literally a year, you know, from the time of recording, it's a year and a day from when we all saw George Floyd um, pretty much lynched. You know, and it was all over social media, all over the television. Um, and sometimes it seems like we're just inundated with black trauma, black pain. How do we process these images? And and how also would you suggest that we kind of protect our peace when we're seeing all of this uh, trauma? You know, I would say if social media is too much, definitely limit either your social media intake or mm-hmm. limit your scrolling. Um, you know, I don't feel guilty about if there's a post or a video that is showing, you know, we, we use the term black trauma, but you know, the images I'm talking about and the videos right. that go around, I don't watch them. And I give myself permission to not watch, to, to not need to know every detail of it because the more details I know, the worse I feel. Right. Yep. And so mm-hmm. I give my, myself a hard stop. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not delving into that. I'm not making 20 posts about this issue because I don't have the capacity for that right now. Yep. You know, I, we have lived not only in a space of racial injustice, we've lived through a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like me, you have lost friends. A lot of us have lost loved ones. We haven't been to church in a whole year. So a lot of us ain't saved no more. I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Because some of the saints is out here wilding. Come right, on. They, they, they belong to the streets now. And, and smoking hoop and stuff. No, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> no, but seriously, we are, I feel like we have been or have been in, in kind of the, the fight of our lives in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't have the capacity to, to scroll social media and further take your mental health down into a space by reading everything or see, looking at all the videos. I, I did not watch a lot of um, Derek Chauvin's trial because oh, I yeah. could not handle it. Mm-mm. I didn't want to see the video over and over. I would catch right. the recap at the end of the day mm-hmm. and be like, okay, that's what I need to know. So, mm-hmm. so I would say, get the information, get what you need and keep it moving. Yeah. You know, get the highlight reel. And keep it moving and don't don't feel guilty if you don't have the capacity for for, you know, watching all of the things or getting into all of these the justice fights that are going on right now. It's <laughs> right. way too many. It's a lot. It's it's exhausting. It's like, exhausting. And that's and that's OK to be exhausted and say, I can't handle that right now. And I have to put put boundaries up and in, in, around what I consume. That is that is good. And I think that the, the, one of the important pieces you mentioned there was creating those boundaries. Right. And trying to understand, like, I'm just not talking about this today or I'm not Mm-mm. looking at this today or I'm not engaging 
in this today. And I think that same concept can be applied like in um, many areas of our lives, mm-hmm. um, specifically in like some of our relationships. I know that like, you know what I'm saying? With our friends and stuff, a lot of times we have a hard time saying no. Um, we have a hard time being combative or I want to say combative, confrontational with our friends because we don't want right. to like mess up relationships. So let's talk through when you're dealing either with a friend or even let's even these go as far as like couples, right? Um, how would people in any kind of relationship seek help? Um, should, should they do it as individuals first and then figure themselves out? Or should they initially go as a couple or as friends or as partners or whatever? Like, how should they try to reconcile whatever it is if those boundaries aren't being acknowledged? So I think within the context of a relationship, I, I do think that starting with individual therapy is, you know, that would be a good space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always say when it comes to couples, it's it's good to have your individual sessions and your sessions together. Yeah. Because there are definitely things that you need to work on as an individual because you're still an individual. Mm-hmm. But there are also things that you, when you bring your individual self into relationship with another individual, there are things that you guys have to work on together. Right. So I think that the two very much so go hand in hand. Um, one thing that I also recommend is that therapy not be weaponized in a relationship. Mm, that's good. Meaning, you know, well, you can't figure this out, so you need therapy or, you know. Um, but <laughs> I, I definitely think there should be communication and just a consensus that we're going into this therapy space to work on our issues. Because usually that's where you get better results is when you have both buy-in from both people. Mm-hmm. And so I would say... Um, you know, again, definitely the individual therapy component as a part of the the family therapy as well. So I think that both I've seen both work very, very well, because there are things that you may be processing with your therapist that you may not be quite ready yet to process with your spouse at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you just may need to kind of work through a, l- a little bit before you're brought into that that couples therapy space or that space with your friend um, to work that out. Am I making sense? Yeah. It makes uh, perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Cause I'm hearing it's a both and not an either or. Yes, absolutely. It's a both and like hand in hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. For sure. And that, I think that's perfect. Cause the fact of like everyone can use um, this help, right? Everyone can use this mm-hmm. help. Everyone can use uh, someone to talk to, um, and like you said earlier, outside of your relationships, it's, it's good to have somebody to talk to. And then it may help out your all's relationship because y'all both have seen someone. Uh, and then now maybe that, that moment, that opportunity, we guys come together and have the conversation about certain things that may be troubling both of you all. Now you may have better skills for communication and things of that nature. I think that's pretty dope. Um, keeping in line with relationships. Um, we do know that last year was, was tough, even right now, a heightened sense of, um, anxiety, stress, and all that kind of stuff. So say you're, you're not the person that's really, mm-hmm. you know, deep with anxiety or depressed or anything like that, but your, your spouse, your uh, partner or something like that is really going through, uh, some struggles. How do you support someone who is uh, going through their mental health journey or, or struggles? Hmm. There, I think there are a few different things that you can do to support a person. Mm-hmm. Um, for, and I'm going to use this as an example for someone who may be, let's say struggling with anxiety. Um, a lot of times it's difficult 
for them to even answer the phone or want to talk about what's happening because they feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so continuing to call, text, hey, what you doing? Are you okay? Are you okay? Why aren't you <laughs> calling me back? Why aren't you texting <laughs> right. me back? Like right. that just adds to the anxiety factor because you're just one more thing that I need to do. You're one more, you know, situation that needs to be handled on top of what I feel like is already a mountain of things. Right. And so I think giving when you notice that a person is struggling and they're they're kind of pulling away, I think giving them the space to pull away, but letting them know that you are there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hard thing because we 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 worry about people that we care about and right. we want to make sure that they're okay. And then sometimes we don't really understand what's happening, but really just letting a person know like, hey, I'm here and giving them the space to reach out when they have the capacity to do so can be very supportive. Right. Um, yeah. Also, if you notice that a person's mental health is declining and they don't know how bad it is, I think mm-hmm. we can also communicate that to them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I've noticed these things about you and this 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 kind of not like you and I'm concerned. That's good. Because sometimes people don't know how you know bad it has gotten until someone brings it to their attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, that's no, that's really, really good. Cause I think that's, I mean, cause it can be very sensitive, right? To kind of mm-hmm. call out someone's like, you know, if you notice someone acting different or moving mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. Uh, or even like you say, trying to find that balance of, am I being supportive or, you know, am I being annoying? Like, what do they need? Um, cause I know, like, even with me and my wife, we hold space for each other to be like, hey, I love you, but I need a moment. Right. That's uh, good. And we don't take that. You know, we try not to take that personally um, because we understand, like, while we're in this thing together, like, right now, I need, I just need a moment. And, right. you know, I love you, but your hug ain't going to get it right now. I, I just need to process <laughs> right. I just need to process this. Right, and right, and right. leaving space to say that this isn't anything personal against you. This is just what I need in this moment. And then maybe we can come back and piggyback and have this conversation and process, you know, what I was feeling or whatever I was going through. So I think that is really Really, really, really great insight. But as we wrap up the living room, um, like, can you give the listeners some tips on mm-hmm. how they can manage or maintain um, positive, healthy, a positive and healthy mental state, and maybe some resources they can tap into if they're not linked up to a, a therapist? Right, right. You know, I would say again, if you have the thought that you want to see a therapist or you need a therapist, get a therapist. Mm-hmm. Go see a mm-hmm. therapist. Um, I think also knowing your limits, knowing your, and what I mean by that is knowing your mental and emotional limits or your capacity is going to be key. I think our our capacity was tested to the limits, (laughs) pushed to the limits Mm -hmm. just with everything that's been going on and knowing your, your limits, um, knowing your capacity and shutting off when you are full. When your capacity mm. is is about to overflow, saying I need to pull back, I need to draw some boundaries, is going to be key to maintaining that self care and that mental, that positive space in regards to mental health. Um, also, get your self care in. I mean, man, that can look so many different ways. I remember last summer, I was I, I told my, I was talking on the phone to my mom, and I was like, "Well, well, mom, I'm gonna have to call you back." I said. I'm, and she was like, what are you about to do? I said, well, I'm just going to sit here and look. And she thought I was playing. She was like, what? Like, you're hanging up the phone with me to go sit and look? And I'm like, yes, 
That's what I do. That's my self-care. I really need like 15 minutes with the TV off, my phone off, the radio off. And I just need to sit here and I really need to. And, and for me, I really needed to do like a check-in. How am I mm-hmm. feeling? Mm-hmm. What am I thinking? And it's good to take notice of what you're thinking because we get so yeah. busy. And mm-hmm. I think having that moment of stillness really allows me to Ooh, be stillness. an observer of my thoughts. What am I thinking right now? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? What's what's really going on? And so self-care can look different for different people. But whatever your self-care regimen is, make sure that you you get that in for sure. Doesn't have to be a manicure pedicure, pedicure, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be quiet time. It could be journaling. It could be prayer. It could be whatever it is that that kind of gives you that hard reset. Make sure that you do that. Um, some resources that you can tap into. Uh, there's psychology today, of course, uh, to look for a therapist. There's also um, therapy for Black girls. There's therapy for Black men. Um, there's also grief share. And I want to mention that because a lot of people have experienced grief this past year. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to griefshare.org, um, there are support groups, you know, and I found out that there are grief support groups that are actually virtual since the pandemic. So if you wow. need support, you've lost loved ones or what have you, and you're having a hard time and need that support that's there. Um, also, if you live in Georgia, there's the Georgia Crisis and Access Line if you are having a mental health emergency. And that's where they will actually send a crisis team to your home or to the home of your loved one or whomever. If okay. they are um, having thoughts of suicide or you're concerned about their safety. And of course, there's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline that um, I want to mention as well for anyone that may be um, having a difficult time, again, having thoughts of suicide and uh, or and or have a plan or anyone that you know may have those thoughts. So I think that's I think those are all of the resources that I would recommend. No, and that is that is so good. And and fellas, don't sleep on therapy for black girls. I found my therapist on therapy for black girls. <laughs> so thank you, for, thank you for saying yes, that. <laughs> yes, don't sleep because I one one of my so we we talked about preference a little bit earlier. One of my preferences was a black woman, so I knew that there would be you know. A, a, a bunch of resources on therapy for black girls. And, yeah. um, and, and I've been linked up with her almost two years now and it's been wow. absolutely amazing. Um, and I love my journey, but Brandy, um, we super, super appreciate it. We're not gonna hold you too much we longer sure here because you know, if you keep talking, you know what I'm saying? The people have to pay to sit on your couch. So we right. go, we go. <laughs> free, free nuggets. Yeah, free nuggets. Free so, 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 so real quick, tell the people how they can link up with you, how they can find you. Um, and then we can, you know, we, we can head on to the next segment. Okay. Um, so you can find me on, Facebook as B Speaks. That's B-E-E-S-P-E-A-K-S. You can mm-hmm. also find me on Instagram on my uh, nonprofit page, Pearls of Esther. That's P-E-A-R-L-S-O-F-E-S-T-H-E-R-I-N-C. Um, I also have a website, www.pearlsofesther.com. And there you can find my newly released book called Um, The Power of Overcoming Six Essential Lessons to Help You Recognize the Power Within, which is available on my website as well as on Amazon and Kindle and paperback editions. So, yes, that's it. Awesome. 
That is what's up. So, Brandon, do you mind sticking around with us for a little bit? So we, we got to listen to the letter. This oh, is we, we got a real therapist in the room. You know, Matt and Brian ain't got to send them down the highways of hell without your without advice. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Don't send them down the highways of hell. Please. Listen, all right. So, Brian, you ready to go down to the P.O. box? Let's go ahead and do it, brother. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. Wait, hey, 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 Mr. Bozeman. All right, good people, we are here. At the post office box, you know our mailman, Rodney Jenkins, has come down and delivered us a letter. <laughs> and as always, you can write in to askthegxr at gmail.com. We will give you a pseudonym, and we will possibly read your letter out loud. Brian, who do we have today? All right. Well, we do have in, let me see, the pronouns. Okay. Pronouns, she, her. So we need a name. Okay. It's the it's the last it's the last one in May. I'm gonna give a real good strong black name. Um, Rhonda. Ooh, okay, Rhonda. We 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 gonna do. She said Rhonda, so we gonna okay. do Rhonda Zerubabel Johnson. <laughs> Rhonda Zerubabel Johnson. Okay, Rhonda Zerubabel. Mm-hmm. Nickname Zuri. <laughs> uh, Rhonda. And, and Zerubabel is spelled Z E with an apostrophe. And That's three right. <laughs> Bell. <laughs> B-E-L-E. Yeah, yeah Bell. Right. Bell. Right. 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 No, B-E-L-L-E, because she classy. Right. Right. Oh. <laughs> Southern. <laughs> oh, man. Drew Bell. That's her. Uh, her both are Amy's last mm-hmm. name. Her birth, their middle name is uh, Drew. <laughs> Zuri and then Bell. <laughs> all right. So yeah, Rhonda Zerubabel Johnson. Okay. So all right, here goes from Rhonda Zerubabel Johnson. Jesus. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that. Okay. So it says, hey, Josh and Brian and Brandy. I'll put you in there. Uh, thanks for providing this platform for the people to seek <laughs> advice and wise counsel. I love the jigsaw and appreciate you for this space. Now to my question. I have been best friends with my homegirl for over 15 years. We have literally shared some of the li- some of life's most important moments together. Recently, she started dating this new guy, and things have been going great for them. At first, I was crazy happy for them. However, recently, she has been neglectful to not only me, but to all of us in our friend group. When we call her out on it, she's, defense- she's often defensive and says she has not forgotten about us. But every single time we attempt to reach out to catch up, there's always some excuse as to why she cannot make it. I don't want to blame old boy, but this behavior didn't start until he entered the picture. I know the things, excuse me, I know that things would change some, uh, excuse me, I know that things would change some since, uh, since she got in a relationship, but I did not think I would lose my friend. It has literally been weeks since we have seen each other and this needs to change soon. What do you think I should do to get my friend back? Josh, don't hold back. <laughs> Did I do something wrong? <laughs> I'm read the question again. What What do you think I should do to get my friend back? And again, she said, Josh, don't hold back. Did I do something wrong? Why is she calling me out? I don't like that. Because <laughs> you loud. He knows you, Josh, <laughs> loud. <apparently. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. We will let our guest answer first. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah right. our house guest, come answer. Um. Well... You know, that that happens pretty often, actually, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, I think, when it comes to female friends. I don't know why we do this. I, I really don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm taking off my, I'm, 
taking off my professional hat now. I'm just talking. I mean, can I can I say it like I feel it? Say can it I, like you can, feel. Do it. Say can it. I say it like I feel it? I mean, I, I don't know why we do this, but it happens very often. I've had it happen to me, and it does not feel good. Um, I think there are a few dynamics that could be at play. Um, is this the friend's first boyfriend, serious relationship? Mm. Is this her first serious relationship in a while? Because then it can feel kind of all consuming. You kind of get wrapped up in this relationship because it's it's new and it's fresh and it's fun. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this is either your again, your first serious relationship or you haven't been in a relationship in a long time and you want to really make this work. And so all of your energy is going to this relationship. I do think there there has to be balance, but also I kind of hate to say it, but I think that even if she talked to her friend about it, I don't think the friend will be like, girl, you know what? I'm going to start canceling my Friday night dates with my man so we can sit at home and watch you know, <laughs> the exhale and drink wine. You know, that's not going to happen. It's really right. not. And it may actually drive more of a wedge between the friendship. Because one thing I know about people is people will choose relationships over friendship. Mm-hmm. They will. And and I hate it. I think it's ghetto. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it happens quite often. And I'm not talking about in a marriage context. Let me be very clear about that. But I'm saying that oftentimes in the dating space, we can get in these relationships and get so wrapped up and entangled in the relationship that we don't balance out those friendships as well. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen where when that relationship ends, you don't, you know, that person doesn't have those friendships because they neglected them for the last nine months. And those friends have moved on. Right. They have mourned the loss of that. They have mourned <laughs> you. They have buried you in their minds and they have moved on. How do I know that? Because I have been that person. I have been in that situation before. And when old boy left me high and dry, mm. <laughs> you know, like my friends, they they said, I, they gave me a good old, I told you so. But I had to work back into that friend group because I kind of kicked them to the side to pursue this relationship. Mm. And so that was my my moment of vulnerability. I've, I've learned and grown from that. But I think that there, there does need to be balance. But I think my... Initial thought is that even if she talks to her friend about it, I don't think that things will change. It's just going to kind of have to be something that her friend is going to have to experience and a realization that she needs to maintain these friendships, that realization she's going to have to come to on her own, unfortunately. But I'm interested in what you guys have to say about it. Don't hold back. (laughs) Brian, you want to go first? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think how how it. I don't know. I, it, I when you first get in touch with or in a relationship with somebody, it's like the infatuation stage. It's like you really yeah. are so just into that person. You want to be around them all the time. So I get it. I'm pretty sure I've done it before. I'm pretty sure Josh, you've probably done that before. Like we've all done it before. When you get in a relationship, first thing is like you want to, you know, everything that person does is just wonderful. So you want to be around them all the time, and you may neglect your friends, right? But I, mm-hmm. I think it's it's great to have the conversation about it. And uh, like like you said, Brandy, I think it's really going to be just having to work through that. You know, um, and as a friend, I, you know, if, if you've had the conversation with them uh, and you said, hey, you know, I'm feeling like as a friend, we're missing out on some some time together. I know you got a boo now, uh, but can we still have our time? Can we maybe set up a, a time where we can hang out and then have do a plan? Don't don't sit at home and watch Wayne and Exhale on the couch. Like, go do something fun um, with your friend. So because it's kind of like I could be with my boo 
snugged up with him. Like, why not? Why would I be with you, you know, in the house doing this, doing the same thing? So um, that's my thing. Uh, right. Have the conversation, allow them to work through things by themselves. And then as a friend, mm-hmm. develop some times uh, and, and ask the friend if, if they're willing to uh, spend some time with you on a specific day. Be, be intentional with it, uh, but don't do something like, hey, come over right now. Not, not be intentional. And say, hey, this Friday night we're doing a girls' night. Can you, you know, give us just this night? I know you're hanging with your boyfriend the rest of the time. Can you come out this night and uh, just have a girls' night and then leave it at that? Josh? Right. No, I was going to say the same thing. Um, pretty much be intentional. Like, plan, like meet them where they are. So, like, if you know that they're always busy or consumed with, oh, boy, as you call them, you know what I'm saying? Schedule something specific. Like, we're going here. We're doing this. You know what I'm saying? Think about some of the things you used to do together that was y'all favorite things to do and right. schedule that. Like, so if it was, I don't know, going to sip and paint. Like, do a sip and paint with the girls and then y'all all go and do it a few weeks in advance so that she can't, you know what I'm saying? She's not prioritizing right. other things over there. You can't, like, you, you see where she is in life, so you can't just expect her to drop it. The mm-hmm. other thing that I want to say, since you told me not to hold back, oh, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to be offended or not by this. But what I'm going to say is, take the shade out your voice to to old boy because you called him that. He right. ain't do nothing wrong but come in, right? He didn't do nothing wrong but come in and love your friend. That's all he. He's been a good man to your friend. You know, he's a good man. He's a he's a good man, Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, he's he's been a good man to your friend. So I don't think I think you have misplaced anger. You're trying to find somewhere to put this frustration, and low key, you're trying to pinpoint him as the reason. Now, him entering the relationship is probably the rationale for why she's changed. But mm-hmm. she made decisions, right, to do mm-hmm. certain things. So ultimately, your beef, your grievance is with her. So I think you do have the conversation, um, and and, th- and don't be petty with it, right? Don't come here and be like, "Girl, right. you didn't neglected us," because she. You can you've said that you can tell she's gotten frustrated in her responses. So don't don't keep pushing that. But I think it is I think it is healthy and fair to have the conversation and then just be like, can we commit to, you know, possibly hanging out at least once a month or something? You know what I'm saying? Right. To to kind of get back. Because as Brian said and as Brandy said, as the relationship settles or they break up or whatever happens, her consistency is gonna come back around. It's real new right now. Yeah. It's real new. And while they're not married, think about a newlywed couple. You don't bother them for the first few months or so because they're right. doing their things. They honeymooning. Um, so you want to treat this new relationship the same way. They're, they're in love, they're puppy love phase. And trust me, if this is long-term, old boy is gonna is gonna eventually be like, all right, I'm gonna be with my boy. Like he's gonna eventually right. need space right. too. So yep. let it level out. Let it level out before you go off the deep end because you don't want to throw away. 15 years of good friendship. I mean, because like Brandy said, we've been losing people in COVID. You don't want to throw away 15 years of good friendship because, you know what I'm saying, of a nuance in, in, in this in, in this current space. So, yeah. you know, Zerubbabel, that's what I got for you. I, I, I hope it, I hope we helped. Yeah, and I want to <laughs> add this as well. Um, it's, it's such a, a delicate situation yeah. because you know, like you said, it's it's all new. And then I, I would question why that friend doesn't feel the need to kind of bring the two of her most important worlds together. Ooh, hey, I'm hanging with old boy, you know, his name is, let's give him a name. Jermaine, what, what should we call him? Jermaine, that's no. a good Jermaine. one. Jermaine. Jermaine. Okay. <laughs> Jermaine. Right, Jermaine, he still got baby hair or something. 
<laughs> she hanging with Jermaine, but why won't she bring Jermaine around Zerubbabel or, right. you know, the crew? Like, hey, we're doing this. You know, Jermaine's having a kickback. You know, we 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 free everybody back, waxed and vaxxed, you know, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. having a kickback at his house. Right. So why can't, you know, she, why wouldn't she want to invite everybody kind of in this space? Because, I mean, when you're dating somebody, yes, it's new and it's fun. But, you know, when I date and I really like somebody and we kicking it and we all in deep, like, I want you to meet my homegirls. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, because my homegirls can see things that I can't see. And I want them to be like, girl, he's fine. You did. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But not just that, but I want them to experience a part of this life with me to see yeah. me happy. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I would question why are the two worlds kind of separated? Like, why is there an either or? And maybe that's a conversation to have. Like, girl, you know, like you you spend a lot of time with him. Gosh, you must really like him. He must be amazing. I can't wait to meet him. You know, will there be a time where we would all be in the same space where we could possibly meet him? You know what I mean? And not just on some old weird stuff, but just kind of like, hey, I want to be a part of this life. You don't have to shield this from me or be afraid that I'm going to be negative or sabotage your relationship because I love you. Anything that you love, I'm I'm here with you. I support you. So I would just question why the two worlds can't kind of collide in some kind of way. You know what I mean? No, that is, that's so good. And see, and that's why you the professional. Listen. You know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> this is why. <laughs> but, uh, but Zerubbabel, we hope <laughs> that this help. We hope that your friend, we're going to call her, um, child, I don't know, um, your friend and Jermaine and everybody <laughs> work out and that y'all get it together. But Brandy, thank you, thank you, thank you again. Thank you, thank you. For coming on the show and blessing the mic, sitting in the living room, kicking it with us. Um, friend of the podcast, friend of real life. We appreciate yeah, you. This was fun. Thank you. It was fun. Um, Brian, you ready to wrap up the show, man, into a greater conversation? Oh, uh, yes. We have some stuff to get off our chest. Oh, I got some stuff. <laughs> I might let you have it. I might let no, you have it. Because, <laughs> you know, I got a dragon that's prepared. But all right, let's go. <laughs> let me talk. All right. Uh, like we said, we have a greater conversation right here where we get some things off of our chest. And Josh clearly has something that is on his chest. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going I'm to I'm sit to the side because I feel like there's going to be a dragon for the ages, as you've already stated. So, Joshua, um, this is your opportunity for your greater conversation. So I'm going to be real bold. Okay. And just tell y'all some of the things. So <laughs> y'all here, y'all heard me talk about the the ways in which I am the only black person at this all white institution. And part of that reason is that I'm looking to transition up out of this. So if they listening, God bless y'all. I'll be gone soon. Okay. So in the midst of me transition, I've been on a few interviews um, and I, you know, had some very successful interviews with, you know, this one particular company. So if you want to know a little bit about me more in depth, I do. I've been in the economic development, community development space, affordable housing, housing development, all that different kind of stuff. And uh, so I've been doing some form of real estate community development for 10 years of my life, straight out of undergrad up until until this day, right? So part of me wants to, not part of me, I want to pivot my career in a sense to do more diversity, equity, inclusion work, more advocacy type work, 
Um, if I am going to stay in housing, focused on affordable housing, advocating for black and brown people in underrepresented communities, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Found an opportunity, Brian. Okay. Of which you were one of my references. They I called you. They sure did was. all the things. You filled it out. I appreciate you. I appreciate the love. Right. So they wanted me to have, I went through three rounds of interviews. Mm-hmm. I did, I submitted them three references, all of which they called or emailed and got in-depth information about me from them. Um, and then I went through uh, filling out their, you know, filling out their official application, joining their talent community online, doing all the things that they wanted me to do. Um, went through the background check. Everything, Brian, mm-hmm. for them to low key ghost me for two weeks. Then get it, told me that it was I was the final candidate. Oh, yeah. They told me uh, too. I have email records that I was the final candidate. That I had the job was mine. And then they went ghost with no offer letter. So uh, when I just as I was about to give up on them, I decided to email them. What's today? Wednesday. I decided to email them on Tuesday, no Monday evening. I was like, hey, just wanted to check in here. Any updates would be would be amazing. Hiring manager got back with me. Um, was like, oh, I apologize. Going to check in with you know, going to check in with the um, HR department. See what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So Tuesday comes. I am in the middle of an assignment with a you know pretty pressing deadline. I had to submit yep. um, something by three o'clock. Um, so I was taking a mental break. I need to step back for a second. In the middle of taking that mental break, you know, I do what most millennials do. You check your phone, you look at Facebook, you look at Instagram. I hate notifications because I'm OCD like that. So I went to my email. So there's a few there. I saw an email said it says employment offer from said company. Okay. I'm like, bet this might awesome. be the motivation. Cause because I was also having a little um creative constipation. So I needed to take a break so I could finish writing this report. So I'm like, maybe this would be the boost that I needed to get me through it. I go to the email, open it up. Mm-hmm. Read it, basically say, hey, congratulations, thank you, your alpha is attached. So I opened up the alpha, Brian, before I can even read it, uh-huh. they had the start date and the salary in bold. Okay. That's to make my eyes focus in on that information, because that's mm-hmm. the most important thing of the letter, yeah, quite obviously. definitely. They came at me with an offer that mm. was insulting. Mm. I mean, low. Mm. I mean, it would be a, it would be several thousands, tens of thousands of dollars lower than what I'm making now. No, thank you. I would be hurting making that type of money. And my frustration, and here, so I said, let's say, here's my greater conversation. Mm -hmm. For all of you employers who are out there trying to get people to join your little jobs, stop advertising $40,000 jobs or trying to get $80,000 people. Right. Because you're wasting our time and you're wasting their time. Yep. It is not going to work for you in the end. The only kind of, the only possibility of you getting somebody overly qualified would be if that person is completely unemployed, but you got to watch out because they're probably only taking this job because it makes it makes them more than what unemployment can give them. Right. So what I want to tell you is that you need to be upfront about your salary requirements. Yep. If you ain't got the budget to pay nobody, quit quit capping. Mm-hmm. As Memphis would say, quit flogging like you got the budget and the and the resource to pay people in the ways in which they deserve to be paid. If you got these small budgets, you need to go to these undergraduate institutions and get these people straight out of college. Baby, I got 10 years of professional experience. I got three whole degrees. I have a technical skill set in economic community development that commands almost double than what you offered me in this specific job. You insulted me. Mm-hmm. You wasted my time. You wasted your time. It was it was egregious mm-hmm. what you did. And I wanted you to know that I did not appreciate it. Matter of fact, let me read the email that I sent to, <laughs> to let them know. Read, to let them know read for I the did. people. I said, it was a read. Dear 
HR person. Thank you for sending over this offer letter. Throughout the process, I grew excited about the potential partnership between myself and said company. After reviewing the offer letter, I cannot within good conscience accept the listed terms. I understand that organizations like yours depend on capital development and fundraisers to do their important work. So there are budgeting requirements that you all must adhere to. However, I bring over 10 years of professional experience, a robust educational background, and a technical skill set that commands far more than blank number from the market. Reflecting back on this process, I wish we would have discussed salary expectations earlier so that we would not find ourselves at this moment. There is no benefit to either party to expend time and resources and land at such a crossroads. May this be a learning experience for both parties to be audacious enough to have critical conversations sooner rather than later. At a minimum, I would need to earn in a certain number to be able to maintain the lifestyle I have built for myself and my family. If that number is way out of range for you, then this serves as my official declination of the proposed employment offer. And that was a nice version. I wrote it three times because the mm -hmm. first version was, I am completely irritated that you wasted my time and <laughs> insulted me with such a piss poor offer. You should be ashamed that you've offered someone of my caliber such a low bar offer. Mm. Is what I wanted you to know. And then in the offer letter, Brian, they had a nerve to tell me that I was required to answer them by Friday close of business day and to start the tooth after more today after you ghosted me for two days. So even though I don't like my current job and I'm willing to walk out of there with an immediate resignation. <laughs> okay, that's likely what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't know that though. You didn't even give me the grace to transition from one space to another. Right. You assumed, right, that, oh, all of a sudden, because you waited three weeks, now you have to forfeit the two-week timeline. You're arrogant. You're disgusting. And you're self- oh. you're, I'm going to just leave it because I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I was over it, <laughs> but I'm upset. I'm upset, Brian. You 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 took two and a half weeks and called three references I'm for $50,000? The heck am I supposed to do for $50,000? <laughs> two kids and a wife. What am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that? Nothing. I ain't made $50,000 in seven years, seven, eight years. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was just upset. That was that was disgusting. That was egregious. That was insulting. It's the audacity for me to look mm -hmm. at my resume and be like, oh, he gonna be okay. You must thought I was one of these other goofies. Right. What Nicki Minaj said, y'all out here trying to hire people, can't even spell hire. You ain't gonna have to get me. You can't get me. What Meg say, handle me? Who gonna handle me? You couldn't handle me. And you gave me this low bar offer, and it's your fault. And I want you to know that you are nasty. So that's what did Lanithia say? So nasty, <laughs> so rude. That's what it was. I'm offended. God bless you, and may God's face turn away from you in this season. <laughs> Not shine, turn away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fifty thousand dollars, bro. N not we're not shaming salaries, but based we're off of the we're not shaming salaries. But based off of experience, uh, background, degrees, more. yeah, yeah. We're not shaming sad. If you make it 50 grand, make your 50 grand and maintain your lifestyle. But I'm in a space to where I've just, I've worked past earning that level of income. Yeah. If, if you, if you would have caught me about eight years ago, seven years ago, then 
we will be having a conversation. I'm not in that space anymore. Right. Right. I got, like, I've, go ahead. That's, that's go like I said, that's going backward. I mean, backward, backward. Like Mo- Michael Jackson moonwalk. <laughs> Girl. And that wraps up another episode of Jigsaw. It does. Podcast. Brian, did you have anything you want to rant about before I... No, that was that was perfect. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Okay. Okay. So that's wraps up another episode of Jigsaw Podcast. Thank y'all so much for 50 episodes. Thank y'all for one year. Thank y'all for 365 days. Um, uh, we appreciate it. You do not have to listen. You did not have to embrace us. You did not have to love on mm-hmm. us. You didn't have to do any other things. So we appreciate all that you do to make... Uh, as much as this is hard work, you make the hard work easy and enjoyable. So we appreciate you for everything that you do. Um, Brian, do you want to share with the folks? Um, thanks again to Brandy for joining us for the Oh yeah, thanks Brandy. We appreciate you, Josh. Who's gonna you know probably reach out to you, or he has his own therapist, but reach out to his therapist regarding this whack offer he got. Um, thank well, you. Well, you know I'm gonna process that with the therapy. <laughs> you know I'm about to process this. Well, what made them think? That I would accept that offer. Um, Jesus Christ. But yeah, uh, thank you all of our listeners. We appreciate you, all the things that you do. Please do all the things that we actually do best previously is to go off there and rate us five stars or nothing at all. Leave a comment, share, tag, like all the things that we do. Let people know how great this show is. Listen to it. Uh, send us your questions. Ask the Jigsaw um at gmail.com uh check us out on the website um follow us on instagram facebook all the things that you call podcast follow josh at i am josh rogers follow brian at i am brian hair and before we head out josh tell the people what they need to do you need to know your worth and don't accept these piss poor offers from people who try <laughs> to play you don't be a goofy okay <laughs> you all want to hire people can't even spell higher you don't don't be a goofy <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, but no, all, but, all, but all you can do is, is just this right here. What you can, why you can, in the very best ways that you can. But in the midst of it all, just like I did this week, I won't get caught my work undone. Y'all have a great day. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Happy 50 episodes. Love y'all. Peace out. We'll see y'all next week. See ya. Love you.